God is good. Amen. I said God is good. Hallelujah. If you're uh, given today, uh, we have the offering boxes in the back, so on your way out, you could put that in there. So praise the Lord. Hallelujah. God is uh, a good God. We uh, are going once again to uh, 1 Timothy chapter 6, please. 1 Timothy chapter 6. Now, I want to know, did you come with an ear to hear today? Now, we have uh, been ministering on this verse and every last several weeks and been kind of dissecting this and uh, kind of going down different roads each week, you know. And uh, somebody might say, well, Pastor, when are we going to get done with it? Well, I suppose once we get it. Yep. Amen. I don't know. I never, I never went into this with some thought that it was going to be some series. That wasn't my, my thinking. Um, you know, we do about, we, we do well over 100 uh, messages from behind this pulpit in the course of a year. Um, and, uh, you know, we could come up here and every week have a different topic, different subject, um, and, and probably not have any problem with that because there's uh, plenty to minister out of the Word of God. Amen. But uh, sometimes I have found that these, when uh, things turn into a series or something about it, it's, uh, you know, you, you start, you know, it's, it's like it works something. It kind of massages it, so to speak, and kind of uh, gets the heart ready and the, and the ears open. And, and pretty soon, you know, you start getting things working in you, praise God. So I've, I've really come to this understanding, and I'm just kind of tossing it out here. But, uh, um, you know, it's not about how much information you get. I mean, nothing wrong with good information. It's, uh, you know, it's not even really totally about, you know, making sure you have, uh, you know, your doctrine uh, being pumped, you know, being fueled, you know, although that's great too. But uh, it's really about getting stuff working in you. It's getting the Word of God, uh, you know, not just up here in the head, but get it out here flowing and working so it produces something. Can I hear a big Amen. And I found that when you're kind of doing series and you kind of, you know, start, you know, kind of taking your time and working through it, it's amazing how it starts clicking and working, praise God. You know, you could get, you know, half a dozen things, maybe even just a few things in the course of a year kind of working in your life different than you had the year before. You know, the idea is to get something happening in you, praise God, where your day starts shifting. You get a better day. And that better day will turn into a better week. That better week turns into a better month, and that better month turns into a better year, so that hopefully by the end of the year, praise God, you got more working in you than you did the year before. And the idea is like what Trudy was talking about even today at offering time, amen, that you're walking, hallelujah, in that abundant life. You're walking in the blessing, amen, and not, you know, no longer uh, in the house of bondage, but in a sense, praise God, walking in liberty and freedom, praise God, in more areas of your life than you were the year before. Can I hear a big amen? amen? All right. So with that said, I'm going to ask the question again. Did you come with an ear to hear? Yes. All right. Because I don't want you shutting me off. Uh, like I said, every week we've kind of you know, dove into something a little bit uh, new and fresh about this. Let's do it again. We're going to take this verse. We're going to dissect it again a little bit, give some definitions, and then we'll, we'll use that as our springboard uh, for what we have for you today. It says, fight the good fight of faith. Everybody say, fight the good fight. Hallelujah. Praise God. Everybody say fight. How many know there's a fight to fight? Come on now, right? The word fight here is, or it has three different definitions for it. It means, in one sense, to compete for a prize, which obviously the scriptures talk about that in different places. It talks about contending with an adversary. Obviously, it's, it's in scripture quite a few places. And it also talks about uh, an endeavor to accomplish something. And really, in all honesty, that's what, what he's talking about here, an endeavor to accomplish something. It says, fight the good fight of faith. Everybody say faith. faith. The Greek word pistis, uh, again, uh, a belief in, a confidence, an assurance, a reliance, a dependence, a trust, uh, even use, uh, synonyms like conviction. Uh, these are all words. In, but anytime you start talking about faith, when you start studying about faith, amen, faith is talking about primarily about the unseen. We walk by faith. Not by sight, right? We look not to the things which are seen, but the things which are not seen. Amen. So, you know, we talk about, uh, you know, everything that's in the seen realm, uh, it was made by an unseen. Amen. God spoke it. 
It manifested from Genesis 1. That's what we see. We go all the way into Hebrews 11, and it talks about the patriarchs of faith, how they all walked in faith. And the reason they go down in the history books as patriarchs of faith, as our heroes of faith, so to speak, is because they were willing to believe God regardless of how it looked, regardless of how it sounded, regardless of how they felt. They chose to put their confidence and trust and reliance in God, regardless of how it looked. Are you still with me? So when he's talking about a fight of faith here, he's talking about being in a place where we're willing to put more confidence and assurance in what he has to say, or we could say the unseen, than we do the seen. And that, my friends, is a challenge. The word uh, fight, again, also means struggle. I brought that out the last couple of weeks. It means struggle. And like I said, I kind of sometimes, you know, that kind of a word, I just like, you know, it's one of those words you just you hate to think about anybody struggling, uh, as a Christian especially. But the word here, fight, does refer to a struggle. And the reason being is because it is a struggle on the inside to be more moved by what he says than how it looks. Are you with me? And that's the, tr- that's the challenge. And so we're called to fight the good fight of faith. The word good here uh, was what we focused a little bit on last week. Uh, this word here, good, it means goodly or worthy or meet, which is an old English word which means suitable, appropriate, fitting, or right. Okay. So he's talking about fight the good fight of faith. He's talking about fight the right fight. Amen. Fight the right fight or the appropriate fight here. It also refers to... Um, Uh, This word good, again, refers to being distinguished from. So what that means is if it's a good fight, it's distinguished from something else. So in other words, there's a good fight, and then there's probably not so good fight. So that's what he's referring to. So fight the good fight. Fight the right fight. Amen. Hallelujah. Sometimes we get so caught up with everything else going around us that we lose sight of where the fight really is. There's times that you got to fight your enemy. There's times you have an adversary that you have to contend with. Amen. But then there's times it's just your own doubt and unbelief. Come on now. Sometimes it's just the fact that you're more moved by how, uh, you, you know, how things look or how things sound. Uh, you know, somebody said something, somebody did something. That, that, that child isn't quite where I want him to be. That marriage isn't where I want it to be. That my finances are not where I want them to be. That business is not working like I want it to work. I got health issues. I got all, pretty soon you're more moved by how it looks and how it feels than what God says about it. Can I hear a big amen? amen. And that's the struggle and the challenge sometimes. And then it goes on to say, lay hold on eternal life to which you are also called. Lay hold, that means to seize it, to grasp it, amen. But the word uh, grasp is referring to more about uh, uh, perceiving or comprehending something. It means to take possession of what's rightfully yours. Lay hold on eternal life. And I address this every week, and I'm going to do it again this week, um, you know, uh, most time when you hear the word eternal life, everybody starts thinking heaven. Well, someday I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to experience eternal life. No, you're already experiencing eternal life. Now, you may not be grasping it yet. You may not be understanding it yet. You may not know exactly what you have at your, uh, at your disposal. But I'm telling you, praise God, Jesus made this real clear. He said, this is eternal life, knowing the one true God and the one in whom he sent, praise God. So when you made Jesus Christ the Lord of your life, the word says you right then became a participant of this thing called eternal life. Or sometimes it's worded as everlasting life. But that word eternal means perpetual. Amen perpetual life which means something ongoing something that can produce something that bears fruit something working praise God and so what you have when you made Jesus Christ the Lord of your life you had on the inside this thing called perpetual life or we could even refer to it as perpetual power praise God that's there that's available now you may not understand it You may not know what you have available to you. You may not understand what's all uh, there, what it means, but I'm telling you it's there. And here you are, a child of God. Amen. You are no mere human being. You are a child of the Most High. 
A king, hallelujah. And uh, the word says you're there, he's the king of kings, which means you're part of royalty, praise God. That's who you are. You're overcomers and you're conquerors. You have potential. Hallelujah. Are you with me? Lay hold onto that. Grasp. Understand what you got available to you, to which you were called. Amen. This is yours. It's yours to have. It's yours to work. But what happens is if we don't know what we got, we have a tendency sometimes to either uh, misuse it. Come on. And that's the truth. We don't understand what we got, so pretty soon you got this power that's available, and pretty soon this power, if you don't know what you got, instead of aiming it in the right direction, it's going working against us instead of for us. Okay, I lost some of you right there. Let's find out why. It says, having confessed the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. Because this is how it works. The word confession again, homos logia. Okay, homos logos, okay, it's from two words, homos logos, okay, which means same word. If you look up this uh, word homos logia in, in uh, uh, the concordance, it's going to say this, a confession or profession, but it means a covenant acknowledgement. Everybody say covenant acknowledgement. And what you have right here is your covenant. Right here, we have what we call uh, an old covenant and a new covenant, Amen. Uh, am I right? Now, the word covenant, I didn't necessarily define this before, but I'm going to define it today. The word covenant means a testament or a will. A lot of times it's referred to the Old Testament, the New Testament. Or sometimes you'll hear it uh, worded as uh, uh, the will and testament of our Lord Jesus Christ. Am I right? So sometimes, you know, you read that and not even realize what you got here. Well, it also means a contract. This word covenant or testament or will, amen, is a contract. It is also, praise God, means a writing containing agreements or promises that have been made. So what you have right here in front of you, are you with me? Am I boring you today? All right. Well, I'll keep going anyway. But anyway, so what you have here is a covenant. Okay, what it has, it's a writing that contains agreements and promises that have been made to you, all right? So it's, amen, a contract to you. It's been signed in blood, by the way. Come on. And so what you have in here is agreements and promises. As I said, you know, several weeks that, uh, you know, uh, the word, within your word, there's about anywhere from seven to 10,000 promises that deal with every area of your life. In here, all kinds of agreements and promises. What's the word promise? The word promise means, uh, let me give you that definition, it means an expressed assurance on which our expectation is to be based. Now, a lot of definitions, I get it. But right here, this is where you base your expectation on. This has been proclaimed, it's, as I said here again, that word promise means an expressed assurance. It was something that was expressed, and it's an assurance, something you can base your, you can bank on. You can put your faith on it. Amen. Express assurance on which your expectation is to be based. Which means that you base your expectation and hope on this. Are you still with me? Okay. So, somebody say, Pastor, you're taking your time with this. I am on purpose because of where I'm going today. All right. A confession. A profession. Same word. One of the problems that we have uh, and we have discussed is the fact that we don't call things that be not as though they are like we're supposed to. We call things that are as though they are. We always talk the problem instead of the promise. We talk the issue. We talk the circumstance. Instead of telling that mountain to be thou removed, be thou cast in the sea, we decide we're going to go up and give everybody guided mountain tours. Am I right? So we talk the problem. So what happens is that perpetual life that you have at your disposal now is, is perpetuating something you don't want perpetuated. You keep talking your problem, it perpetuates your problem. That's why a lot of times you think, man, it seems like it always comes around again. Here it goes, never goes away. How come this always happens to me? Why does this always happen to me? How come this stuff, where's God? 
Well, how about you just start speaking the right thing? Jesus said it's not what goes in your mouth that defiles you. It's what's coming out your mouth that defiles you. He said by your words you're justified and by your words you're condemned. Amen. James said it's by your words that defiles your physical body and starts changing the, uh, the, all of the course of nature around you just by your words. Solomon brought out, he says, death and life are in the power of the tongue and those who love it will eat the, will eat the fruit thereof. Whatever you keep talking is what you keep eating, is what you keep partaking, is what you keep experiencing. What you keep talking. Somebody said, well, pastor, I'm kind of done with this message. <clears throat> well, I, I, you know, some people get tired of, you know, but you have to understand this is how we change things. This, remember, you have great potential. In fact, I'm going to say it this way. We'll just spin it off with this. Right here, in, you have the B-I-B-L-E. Yes, that's the book for me. I stand alone on the word of God, the B-I-B-L-E. Hallelujah. All right? Now, what you have here is in itself is a language. Now, there's all kinds of languages out there. You know that. And we got Spanish, you got English, you got French, you got Portuguese, you got whatever. Okay, you got all kinds of languages out there. But in all honesty, when it comes time to the unseen realm, there's only two languages. Word and world. Word and world. Word is a language all its own. It's a language of potential. Everybody say potential, which means existing in possibility. When you talk word language, it puts you in a realm of possibility. Now, what you have out there in the world, everything they talk, is a, is a language of limits, which means to a point and no more. If you actually honestly take the time and listen to talk out there, whether it's on radio, television, just conversations, you're at work and talking and listening, you'll see everything's about limits. Only so far and then it shuts down. But you're not a person with limits. You're a child of God with great potential because on the inside is this perpetual life that's ready to do whatever needs to be done. But the problem most of the time is we're not talking the things that allows it to do or to change what needs changed. Remember, everything in the seen realm is subject to change. Everything. That's why we look not at the things which are seen, but the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary or subject to change. Everything in the unseen, it says it's eternal or permanent. We lock on to what's eternal, to what's permanent, to change the temporary. So if there's situations going on and we're not denying the existence of situations, circumstance, issues, poverty, lack, sickness, disease, marital issues, kid issues, all kinds of other issues... Don't walk out or saying we're acting like it. See, we're not here trying to do mind over matter and act like it doesn't exist. We're not ignoring the problem. We're saying here's how you change the problem. So we call what this, well, we could say it like this. We call that which is not, in other words, that promise. We speak what does not exist as though it does exist. We don't call what is as though it is and keep perpetuating it. And I found that we found out last week either we don't call what is as though it isn't. You know, you don't go around just saying, I am not sick, I am not sick, I am not sick, or I am not poor, I am not poor, I am not poor. That's not how it works. Because we're not ignoring a problem. This isn't mind over matter, this is spirit over natural. So you take the promise, you speak your covenant. That's why I said all that for that reason. This is your covenant. Talk the same word. Talk covenant. Talk covenant. Talk covenant. Talk your promises. Still with me? Somebody said, well, pastor, you know, I don't know the promises. It's not hard. You got a phone, right? Most of you got an iPhone. There's a few of you like Mr. Rodbeck and I still have a flip phone. 
There's a, there's a time for that too, believe me. But do we all have, most of the time, have iPhones, we have iPads, we have i this and i that. We've got all this kind of stuff at our disposal nowadays. Some of you have just taken just through the time of studying the Word, opening up the B-I-B-L-E and actually reading it. And you'll find promises left and right. Come on, somebody. Right? We talk the promises. You know, your iPhones, all that, you can just look up promises for healing from the Word of God. And all of a sudden, you've got about a half a dozen, dozen, two dozen verses that jump up. All you need is one promise, one word from God to change your life forever. One word. That's all it takes. One promise. If you know it's the right word, you know it's the promise for you, you stand on that promise, you speak that promise, hallelujah, and God begins to shift things, praise God. Stuff begins to change in the unseen, causing the seen realm to begin to adjust and change to make it right. Praise God. you got to speak your covenant. Speak your promise. You with me? Am I too intense or not? All right. All right. Now, Psalms 89, verse 34. Put that up. It says, My covenant I will not break nor alter a word that has gone out of my lips. That's what God said. My covenant I will not break. So that's why you want to hook up to what's permanent or eternal. That's why you want to confess, amen, the good confession, the right confession. Find your covenant. Speak the covenant, talk your promises, because the covenant he will never break. Never break. I will not break it. Amen. You gotta, some people say, well, you know, I keep praying to God to change this, and he won't change it. Or are you talking your covenant? Are you speaking what he says? Now, this is going to make more sense for we're done today. So did you, you got your seatbelt on and ready to rock and roll? He said, I will not alter the word that has gone out of my lips. Now, yours can be altered all day long. So you might be using your words and wonder why nothing ever changes. Well, your words can be altered all day long. His words will never be altered. His words stand. That's why we talk his words. Am I right? All right. Promises. All the promises of God... You know, it was it 2 Corinthians 1.20? All the promises of God in him are yes and in him amen. In other words, they're not going away. They're always yes. He doesn't say, I'll do it for you, but not for you. And maybe I might do it for you, but yeah, you definitely not. And yes and amen. Every promise in that word is for you, yes and amen. If anybody else has ever got to partake of that promise, I guarantee you it's available for you. We just got to make sure we're hooked up using the key, using the combination, using the right thing. Come on, saying the right word. Talk the covenant. All right. With that said, Ephesians, please. Ephesians chapter 3. Hallelujah. Ephesians chapter 3, a common verse, but let's look at it today in the light of what we're talking about. Ephesians chapter 3. Are you glad you came out on a Sunday morning? All right. Ephesians chapter 3. Verse 20, now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to what? The power that works in us. Now to him, okay, who is able, how many think God is able? Because we know he's talking about the Lord here in context. Okay, the word able here means to be able or possible to do. It means to be of power to do. Okay, so how many believe God, amen, is unlimited? This is what it's talking about. Amen. He's got the power and the means to do it. He can do anything. Anybody agree with that? See, there ain't hardly a Christian out there that wouldn't agree with that. I don't care if uh, you're your spirit-filled church or not. I don't care what denomination you come from. If, some, if we said, you know, God is able, everybody say, oh, amen. I might, get, I might even get a few good Baptists to raise their hand and say, amen, brother. I don't know. I'm just saying, you know, I'm just, you know, most everybody agree that God is able. Amen. Hallelujah. To do, he can do it. God can do it. God is not limited. Amen. There's great potential. Praise God. Let's look at some other, other words here. Praise God. Exceedingly abundantly is actually one word. Parisos is the Greek word. It means super abundant. Praise God. Beyond measure, even more. Praise God. I love these words. God is able to do exceedingly abundantly. It's all big. 
above all. Everybody say above all. This word here is the Greek word hooper, okay, which means over and above, beyond all, superior to, more or higher than. Now, so every bit of these words here, he's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all. He's just basically saying, I am not limited. There are no limits with me. He is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we could ever even ask or think. And I can think big, and I can ask big. Anybody with me? And he's able to do way beyond that. And like I said, nobody really in the house of God, nobody, and and for the most part as the body of Christ, is going to disagree with that. And they go, well, if God is able, then how come stuff ain't happening? How come things ain't changing? Where's God? I thought he never leaves you nor forsakes you. Where's God? How come it ain't working? How come it ain't happening? Why do I still have issues? Why do I still have problems? Why do I still have, uh, you know, lack? Why do I still uh, fight issues in my body? Why am, I, why am I still dealing with fear? Why, why, why? Well, there's no, no limit with him, but sometimes we bring in limits. Because it says it's according to something. There are no limits, but it's according to something. It's according to the power that's working in us. Well, Pastor, I didn't want to hear that. A couple key verses with some of this. You get on these kind of things. Luke 1 and 37 says, For with God nothing will be impossible. Everybody say, nothing will be impossible. Luke 18 and 27, the things even that maybe even seem impossible with man are not impossible with God, right? They're possible with God, right? Right? How many agree with that? Amen. Mark 9 and 23 says this, if you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes, which now puts something back in your court. So I got to get you to believe if you want the impossible. Now, what does the word impossible mean? Another definition. You okay with more definitions? All right, here we go. Only about half of you said yeah, okay. But anyway, the word impossible means that which is not seen as possible or thought as obtainable. Do you know that the only thing that's impossible is how you see it or how you think it? Period. Because nothing's impossible with God. But see, if we're believing that it can't be done, or we're believing it'll never change, or we're believing uh, that that can't turn around, then what you've done is you've just now limited God. Because it's according, go back to that verse there in Ephesians 3, it's according to the power that's at work within you. Now let's define that real quick. The word power is dunamis or dunamis. I'm not sure which one it is. I've heard both ways. But it means a miraculous power or ability. But it also means a to, look, just look it up in the concordance, a to be possible force. And if we will talk, amen, is what we've been talking about. If we will talk our language, amen, of potential, it puts us in a realm of possibility. So what we have here, according to the power, hallelujah, according to that, uh, uh, that uh, uh, to be possible force, that existing impossibility, that miraculous ability, praise God, that works in us. The word works. Greek word, energiel, which we get our word energy, okay? But it means to be actively working or efficiently working or effectually operative. What's working in you? So it always comes down to this. What can you believe today? What's actually working in you? You say, well, Pastor, what... I just don't... I'm not... See, whatever you... How you see things, how you think things is... ultimately going to come out your mouth that's why we sit around and say I'm going to give I'm I'm going to tell you what I think well that may not be a good thing all right or you might sit here and talk and you say this and say well it's, it's, it's my own house I can say what I want to say in my house that's fine tell God that but it might explain why things ain't changing now is anybody with me are you still with me or you all want to run now okay here we go all right With that said, go to Joshua 1. Joshua 1. 
What's working in you? What's working? Because God has no limits. All right? But there are limits. And if we're talking world talk, we're talking limits. It's a language of limits. And you'll limit you every time. If you talk word, you talk covenant, you talk promise, you tap now a realm of possibility that begins to shift and change things for the good. Now, this is what he said to Joshua. We've used this a couple times already, but we're going to use it again. It says, the book of the law, or the word of God, right, shall not depart from your mouth. First thing, shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it. What? The, the word. The book. What he says. Your covenant. Now, you say, well, Pastor, well, see, remember the problem that we had with the first generation is they had trouble with their mouth. Yeah, a few other things. But it stemmed out how they talked and what they said, how they thought. Trudy brought that out again. Amen. About how they sit and thought. They thought, they thought lack. They thought bondage. They thought, you know, issues. They, that's how they thought. The book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night. In other words, in the good times and the bad times. That's what it means. That you may observe to do. That you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. Amen. Then, for then, one trans, uh, translation says, only then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. You want, you want to change things around you? You're going to have to get your mouth working for you, not against you. Now, you notice it says up here, the book of the law shall not depart from whose mouth? Your mouth. Now, of course, we know in context he's talking to Joshua. But he says, Joshua, if you want this to work, now he gave a whole instruction. Joshua 1 is all about an instruction of how to make this work. His first statement about Moses was, Moses, my servant is dead. What a eulogy. That's it. That's all he said about Moses. Moses is now gone, dead, you're up. Now here, if you want to get it right, this is how you do it. You want to take that generation, you want to take the second generation in and get your promised land? The first generation did not go in. You want your generation to go in, you're going to have to get this right. Okay? You're going to have to talk it. You're going to have to think it. you got to meditate on it so that you can begin to walk it. Praise God. And then you will make your way. You will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. In other words, God has no limits, but there are limits. Let's see, I, let's see, did I give you like one out of a, a Joshua 6? Put that up. Remember this? Jericho, remember how things went down with Jericho? Jericho was really the first major test. They go across, and uh, they end up first place they, they come against is Jericho, right? God gives them instruction. He says, listen, he said, first off, he goes, see, I've given Jericho to you. Well, he, they haven't even done anything yet. He said, see, get, get a picture of it. I've given you Jericho. Now get it up here. And here's the deal. This is how you're going to do this. Okay? You're going to go up to Jericho. All of you are going to march around the city the first day. Go back to your tents or whatever. Come back the next day. March around the city. Do that six days in a row. The seventh day, you're going to march around that city seven times. Now, they didn't say anything about any weaponry. They didn't say anything about it. just said you're going to march. And then at the end of the seventh day, after the seventh time you go around, the trumpets are going to blare, and you're going to yell a victory shout, and the walls are going to come down. Now, up to that point, that's never happened. So God is telling them something that's, to them, in the, you know, they're, they're, they're right here, and that's all supposed to happen. All those big walls, and according to history, that's supposed to be, they're pretty massive walls, I guess. And all them walls are going to come down without you doing anything except yelling a victory shout. But you got to march around the city seven days, and on the seventh day, seven times. Somebody said, well, what are you getting at? Well, Joshua goes to tell the people what's going to happen. And Joshua commanded the people, saying, You shall not shout or make any noise with your voice, nor shall a word proceed out of your mouth until the day I say to you, Shout, then you shall shout. God didn't tell him that. Joshua did. Why did Joshua tell him that? 
because he knows people. Because it's inevitable they're going to say something or they're going to all say, this is so stupid. God says, march around the city. I march around the city. Oh, this is just retarded. We look like idiots walking around, marching around the city. And they're all looking down on us and saying, bunch of idiots, what are you doing? This is stupid. I don't get it. I don't understand it. Why are we doing this? Let's just go take the city. Well, you got to have more faith in the unseen than you do the seen. You got to have more faith in his ability without limits than your ability with all kinds of limits. You're, you, you, what he's saying is that you, we're not going to discuss and talk a language of limits. In fact, I'm not sure the magnitude of this, but I think he said it with such, uh, such force that probably they all knew if any of us open our mouth in the next seven days, we're done. Now, I personally believe, just my own opinion, I get it, my opinion, but them shutting up for one week is probably a greater miracle than the walls coming down. Just saying. I'm just saying. Okay, let me show you now, okay, what happens here. Go with me, if you will, now to Psalm 78. Are you with me? All right, I know I keep asking you, but you gotta stay, you got to stay hooked up. you got to stay engaged. Amen, if you're going to get this. Okay, now, Psalm 78, verse 40, says this, How often they, talking about the children of Israel, provoked him in the wilderness. This is the first generation, okay, this is going to explain to you why Joshua did what Joshua did, okay? How often they provoked him in the wilderness and grieved him in the desert. Yes, again and again, they, you ever say again? Again and again, they tempted God and limited the Holy One of Israel. They did not remember his power the day when he redeemed them from the enemy. How often they provoked him in, they provoked him, they, they angered him. Literally, they, they, they upset God. And you think, well, why did God get so upset? Because they didn't remember. They, they kept talking something. We're going to see this here in a second. And the problem was the whole time, all they had to do was walk out their tent and look. You got a pillar of fire by night, a pillar of cloud by day. Every day, these quail come through. Every day, water comes out of a rock. Every day, this substance falls from heaven. Manna, and all manna means is what is it? It does. It's, manna means what is it? It literally does. So they pick it up, they go, what is it? Yeah, yeah, it's just, isn't that just nature? Taste it. You know, you do it. Smell it. Eat it. What do you think? You're going to watch him for, watch the first guy first, see if he's going to die or not. I don't know. You know, get your own picture. But I'm just saying, okay, so they, what is it? You know, now, you know, then pretty soon they're making manna bread and, and manna burgers. And anyway, the point is they got quail. They got manna. They got water. They got a cloud uh, uh, during the day, a pillar of cloud that just parks out there uh, where they're at. And, and, and if it moves, they all move with it. The pillar of fire by night, no Buddy should have any problem doubting God. So God says, what is wrong with you people? And they kept murmuring and griping and complaining. Go to Psalms 106 and we're going to find out what happened. 21, please. Same people. They forgot about how God redeemed them, how God delivered them from the hand of the Egyptians and all that he did to get them to where they're at. Psalms 106, verse 21, they forgot God, their Savior, who had done great things in Egypt, wondrous works in the land of Ham, also awesome things by the Red Sea. They forgot all this. See, therefore he said to, uh, to, to he, 
or pardon me, that he would destroy them. And had not Moses, his chosen one, stood before him and, and breached, in other words, interceded for them to turn away his wrath lest he uh, destroy them. Come on, everybody say, praise God for Moses. Then there were times when Moses was upset and God had to cool him down. I don't know. I don't know how you word it. But it, it's, if, 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 it, if those two guys would have got off on the same day, it would have been problems. Just a thought. Anyway, I'll leave it alone. Anyway, it says, then they despised the pleasant land. They refused. They rejected the pleasant land. What God was doing, they did not believe his word. You want to know why? What was that again? How they provoked him. They again and again, or they grieved him. Again and again, they tempted him. They limited him. Okay. Okay. So here we go. They did not believe his word, but they complained in their tents and did not heed the voice of the Lord. Everybody say complained. Now, I know there were other things, but, but what he's talking about here is, is a language of limits. They sit, they murmur, they gripe, they complain. See, that's what God was, God, they, go, they, they all walk out and they act spiritual. Hey, Moses, as Moses walked by, they all stand out. There. The word said they all would come out their tent and they'd, as Moses would head to the tent of meeting. And they'd act real... And then they walk back in the tent and they back and mom and dad are saying, God, he's an idiot. Can't believe we're doing this. Why in the world are we out in a wilderness? I thought we were supposed to get delivered. I thought there was supposed to be a promised land. What's the problem? Maybe he doesn't know how to lead. Maybe Moses... Maybe Moses is just, you know, maybe he was out in the sun too long. He talked about a burning bush. <laughs> the point is, they complain in their tents. 1 Corinthians in 3, it talks about those that that, uh, you know, strife, contention, dissension, talk and discord, all that kind of stuff, they become as mere men. Mere men. Mere men. Okay? Well, what does that mean? Confined by boundaries. You become, now here you are, a child of God, got the greater one on the inside. Hallelujah. Potential. Hallelujah. Perpetual power. And we go, I tell you what, this is the stupidest thing. I never I always got problems, never got anything. Never, I tell you what, lack, 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 sick, 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 sick. And then you turn around, and you're all grateful because you prophesied it. <laughs> See, I told you, I knew the flu was coming around, I was going to get it again. Now, oh, come on now. Having a little fun with you. But the bottom line is that's exactly what happens. We talk and talk and talk and we perpetuate, 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 not even realizing we've just limited God. He's able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that you could ask or think according to what's working in you. That to be possible. What, what to you is possible here? To be possible. If you can believe it, all things are possible. If you can believe it, I got to get you to believe it. I got to get you to hitch up, hook up. Come on, move forward this train. Train's heading this way. Hey, ho, move him out. I don't want it. I'm tired. I, I got things. I got places to be and things to do. And I got issues and I got, I got debts and I got problems and I got sickness and I got, I just, just go on without me. Well, we will. Because we're still moving forward. Anybody with me? All right. Now, I'm not trying to pick on anybody. I'm just saying. All right. You can say all day long, amen, that God's let you down. God has not let anybody down. There is no limits in God. The limits come from us. What are we seeing and, and, and studying with our eyes? What are we thinking about and meditating on? What are we talking? Are you still with me? 
Isaiah 55. Maybe I'll close with this one. Somebody says, oh, praise God, there's an end. Isaiah 55. Listen, you are no mere man or mere human. But what makes you confined by a boundary or limited primarily comes out of what's coming out your mouth. Because you have great potential. You've been made in his likeness after his image. Come on, somebody. Or I guess the reverse, his image after his likeness. Come on. And the bottom line is this, praise God, you have, you have creative ability. That's why God gave you dominion, gave you authority. Somebody go all day long, well, I just don't know why God don't change that. God says, I don't know why you won't. So what we do is we keep talking the problem and then come out the next day going, my gosh, it's still there. I just don't understand all this. Well, we keep talking it. We keep talking it. We keep talking it. Isaiah 55, verse 10. As the rain, there's a lot in this chapter. I'd love to just go back and preach the whole thing. But verse 10, there, as the rain comes down and the snow from heaven, and do not return there, but waters the earth and makes it bring forth and bud, that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater. Verse 11, so shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me void. Come on now. And that literally means, you know, without, it's going to bear fruit. Come on. It will not return to me void, but it shall accomplish what I please, and it will prosper in the thing for which I sent it. In other words, my covenant I will not break. If I'm speaking it, it has the potential to do exactly what I said it'll do. Always. You with me? Now, we're talking about a language of potential. So you notice in the verse 11, the beginning of that verse says, so shall my word be. What's it? So, what, what, so, so go back up to 10 again because that's what he's talking about. Because of verse 10, this is so shall my word. In other words, my word's going to do the same thing. As the rain comes down, as the snow, and, and the snow from heaven, amen, it all, here comes the rain, here comes the precipitation, here comes the snow, amen, what, all it's doing is watering the earth, hallelujah, it won't return, well, we know it does through whatever. Anyway, but the, but the bottom line is it, it isn't like it rains up or snows up. That's the point. So it comes down, right, and it doesn't return, but waters the earth, and then it makes it bring forth and bud, now, you know as well as I do, being in central Oregon, if you want anything to grow, you got to water it, because if you don't water it, it's just nothing. I grew up in Nebraska, and it rains once in, in a month, and it's still, you'll go out there, and it's still, by the time you get across the field, you're about six inches taller due to all the mud. But out here, it just kind of, I don't know, it just goes away. It just The soil just can't hold it or whatever. But you know as well as I do, you put water in that, and you're amazed at what begins to grow. Not just the good stuff. Right? Right? As the rain comes down and snow from heaven, and do not return it, but it waters the earth, and it makes it bring forth and bud. It forces the ground into production. That it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater. The point is this, child of God, so shall my word be. It's come down from heaven. If you will use and speak your covenant, talk the promise, talk the word, it forces this natural realm into production. But you got to speak what he speaks. It's a language of potential. And you talk the language of potential, it puts you in a realm of possibility. Things begin to shift and change. He's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that you could even ask or think. But it's always according to what's at work in you right now. What can you believe? Or what are you, what are you thinking? What are you meditating? What are you talking Hallelujah. Again, that uh, Psalms 89, you know, my, co my covenant I will not break, nor alter a word has gone out of my lips. I think I might even just, Psalm, or Matthew, is it Matthew uh, 24? There it is. 
verse 35, heaven and earth, Jesus said, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not, by no means pass away. Now, how many believe that? Now, there must be something about the word. Even if everything else just goes bye-bye. See, his covenant will not, will not alter. It ain't, here it is, baby. What you have in here, amen, a writing containing agreements and promises that have been made. Okay, and you're at home upset because nothing's changing, and yet you got 14 Bibles on the shelf. I remember, I remember as a kid, amen, going into grandma's, and they, she had this massive Bible on the on the on the uh, uh, coffee table, and we go to touch it, we go, because it had pictures in it. I mean, somebody took Jesus' picture. And the disciples' picture. And all these miracles. They had pictures of Jesus doing miracles. And we go to say, this is the coolest thing ever. Don't touch that. <laughs> but it's cool. Don't touch it. That's the family Bible. It's got information in there about our family. Got the rose that my your dad gave me on our first date. It's got our wedding, you know, announcements and wedding, you know, agreements and all the things, all the stuff. What's it called? License. Thank you, license. <laughs> I'm in trouble for that one. Anyway, it's got all that in there. Oh, this is just to smash everything. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? But, and then, you know, it's calling to us. You know, it's, you know when, when you get older, you kind of get numb to it. But when you're a little kid, it's, you can literally come in the room and you hear it. And it's calling unto you, come, read me. Experience. Life, life abundant. Going to go touch it, and again you get yelled at. So you get numb to it. So you don't open it, because only certain people can open that. No, we all can open it. It's for everybody. It's the Word of God. Amen. For every child of God. Amen. And beyond. Come on, somebody. Hallelujah. And in that Bible, hallelujah, is promises of God, is your covenant, praise God, containing, praise God, agreements and promises that have been made. So if you're going to speak something, talk your covenants. Well, did you get something today? Give the Lord praise, everybody. Come on. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to watch the video of this message, head over to vimeo.com forward slash WOVictory or go to Jerry Roberts Ministry on Roku. For more information about who we are and what we do here at Order Victory, check out the website at wovictory.org. That's wovictory.org. See you there.